building better relationships at home and at work for people who have more than enough on their plate. Two coaches dangling the possibility of finding joy in your relationships. Do you dare to consider life can be better? Have a listen and tell us why. Hi and welcome. Hi, Patty. Hi, Angela. Thanks, everyone, for joining today. Hi, Leslie. Thank you for joining. So today, welcome to Building Better Relationships at Home and at Work with Patty and Angela. And today, we're introducing a topic that I know you and I, Patty, have worked on this a lot. But we're, we're talking about when to say yes and when to say no. So, Patty, if you don't mind, I thought we could start with you sort of talking about, do you remember how we actually came up with the topic? Was there a specific thing that comes to mind for you or was it something in the workplace that happened? This is a topic that's kind of dear to my heart because when you're trying to do work-life balance or life balance, Saying no is a key factor in being successful in your life. And how this came about was you and I were talking about balance and how to say no because it's very challenging in all of our lives on when to say yes and when to say no. So that's how it came about is you and I were actually talking about work and home life situations. And how to, how we always say uh, yes or no and when to say yes and no. Right. When is it okay to say yes and when is it okay to say no? And how do you say no? Yeah, that's... A lot of people don't know how to say no. And um, they just say yes to everything and get overwhelmed and stressed and, and constantly going and... and moving towards burnouts. So that's why we came up with the topic because a lot of people struggle with this, especially people pleasers. Yes, and neither you or I fall into that category, do we? (laughs) No, no, no. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And so there has to be some boundaries set and also knowing yourself knowing what you want to do and what you don't want to do and being able and being okay with saying no instead of saying yes. We get asked to do something and we're, we're helpful people and we want to help everybody, but you're not helping yourself. You do need time for you and you do need to do things that you want to do, not feel like you have to do because you said yes. It's okay. It's okay to say Right at this moment, I'm, you know, I'm sorry, I can't commit right now. Thank you for thinking of me. And being okay with it afterwards and not beating yourself up because you said no. Yeah, I think that's where, for me, saying no was actually, I think I was, I think I've said this before, but I was like the Fonz from Happy Days. You know, the Fonz? Yeah. <laughs> And he couldn't say, I'm sorry, he'd, he'd go, zzz, I'm zzz, or I love you. He'd go, I love, I love, 
And for me, that was the word no. I'd be like, no for me, saying no. I actually had to practice this with a teacher of mine once and it was so traumatising. So in that exercise, and I mean, you could try this, we put a circle around me and the teacher would come towards that circle, which was a rope around me, about one one and a half metres diameter, and she, she would give me the pillow and I would have to say no. And I, that was so hard for me. And it stayed with me, that practice, because it was so hard and it was so physical and so demonstrative, that stayed with me all my life. I've actually got it in my book, actually. <laughs> Thanks, Vivian. That was the best experience I've had with saying no and realising how in my wiring, actually saying the word no was beaten out of me. I, took, I teach uh, coaches as well and I, I tell them that children are not taught to say no because when they go through that no phase, their parents go through this whole drama with them and then eventually... Once they've done, gone through the no phase, which happens around two, three, four, they then go to school, which beats out no. And um, so today, Patty, you're really skilled at saying no in a real graceful way. So I'm going to get give you some examples today. We're going to use some classic examples where people struggle with saying no, and conversely, also with saying yes. So I wanted, to, I wanted to bring this up, the piece about when to say yes, because in particular, um, I, I've had an entrepreneur's life for most of my adult life after studying. And Patty, you've worked a lot with nine to five. You've also worked as an entrepreneur, but predominantly you've worked in leadership in that nine to five environment. One of the things I learned as an entrepreneur was how do I say yes to what I want? So there's a problem of not being able to say no, but it's like, but how do I know what I, what I want to say yes to? And as an entrepreneur, I struggled with that for a very long time so that I couldn't work out how to prioritize my schedule or what was the best way to do that and what was important and what was not. So one of the struggles I had, not just saying no, but was what do I say yes to? And what I discovered with that is that until I worked out a structure as an entrepreneur of what are the big big pieces, the priorities, and how does Angela work with them, because in a, in a nine-to-five environment, you're given really strong restrictions about you have to do this by this time and these are your job duties. As an entrepreneur, you kind of have to do that structure as well, but it's it's so open, it's so creative. So I struggled a lot with my creativity and how to structure that. So that's one of the things I would like to ask you in terms of um, saying yes with how do you say yes when you're, we're looking at the work environment now, when you're in that nine to five environment, some of the things that you were sharing with me, Patty, in the nine to five environment is that there are um, several situations that come up. But can you give some examples that come to mind for you where people might struggle with how to set their priorities? How do they say yes to what they need to do in order to, to 
to do their job and also be themselves? Well, you have to know what is important to your job function and what needs to be done. And I'll give you a scenario. Say that you're an IT person and you have a client and you have this project that, you, that you've been working on and the client comes to you and says, I, I want to go, I want to add something else on, but you haven't completed the other, the other part of the project yet. And they're wanting to shift gears and, put you, and have you go this way. You can say yes, but say to them, I, I, I still need to finish this, this first. I need this amount of time to get this finished so that it's finished. And then we can move on to the next thing. So you're you're not saying you're 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 saying yes, but you're not seeing yes at that moment in time. You're saying, okay, I need I need another three weeks to complete the, the task that you've already asked me for. And then after I finish that, I can move on to your next task. Is that acceptable to you? And you're putting it on them saying, yes, I either want to complete this or I want you to stop and start working on this. But to be effective, you always want to finish what you were already starting because later on that may cause a problem that you didn't finish what you already started. Right. And more tasks start coming on top of you, and then you never get back to finishing what you started, which is important to your client as well. That's what they hired you to do. So you need to be able to set boundaries and um, say, let's focus on this and finish this, and then I can move on to, to doing this for you. And then you don't feel so overwhelmed and stressed because you finished one task or project or assignment and now you can move on to the next one. Right. Now say that um, you're a nine to fiver and you're working on your work life balance strategies and you want to leave work right at five o'clock. Yeah. Somebody comes into your cube or your office and wants to chit chat. And you're partner or your child is waiting for you at home and you've made a promise, I'm going to leave right at five o'clock. How do you politely say to your coworker or your boss, um, I'm leaving for the day. <laughs> so you politely say, oh, I, um, I'm leaving now. How about we get together tomorrow at such and such time, 8 at 8 a.m., and you can fill me in. I really need, need to go. And you say it politely, and you uh, walk out. Now, I've heard of strategies where you say, oh, you can walk me to my car. Yeah. That's, that's dangerous. <laughs> Why is that dangerous? Because they're chit-chatting and following you in the car. You get in the car, and they're still talking to you. How you're, you're, letting, it, you're letting them continue the chit-chat. So it's better if you stop.
stop it right at five o'clock instead of them following you to your car because then you're going to have to you know turn on your engine roll up the window <laughs> and and that then you feel guilty when you're driving home so knowing, uh, talking and you're driving away <laughs> <laughs> yeah so We've all had that where somebody at the last minute all of a sudden wants to chit chat, whether it's innocent or it's on purpose, and you're trying to get out the door. So I recommend that you uh, stand firm because if you stand firm and say, oh, I'm sorry, I got to leave today, but I'll meet with you tomorrow at such and such time, if that works for you in your calendar, I'll see you tomorrow. And you say it politely and um, and you're setting that standard. Yeah. So it's fascinating, Patty, because what you're describing is your body language is like you're packing your desk, you're getting your handbag or your briefcase, and the person's still yabbering. And you're <laughs> like, everything about my body's like, I'm out of here because, like, I've got a life at home, right, or outside of this office. But they're whatever reason they're not listening and I think that's what stops that's what gets people frustrated when people don't get their body language saying no not now and they kind of have a judgment some people I shouldn't have to tell you I'm out of here can't you read my body language I've heard a lot of people gripe about that but the simple matter is that that person could be just in their own planet they could have had a you know they'd be distressing from the day it's five o'clock and their body clock is knowing that somehow they're meant to be leaving the work environment, but they don't, they're not making that transition. So what you just shared about, I'm um, sorry, or not even I'm sorry, thank you, but I've just got to, I'm leaving now. I can meet you tomorrow if that works with your schedule. Bye. That's actually helping their energy get a really clear like, oh, oh, okay. Because sometimes they're not aware of your body language. They're right in some other zone and not reading your signals. So right. that's really helpful, like the, the very framed, the language about directing time. Um, there's um, another one I wanted to share with people for the entrepreneurs, which I found really fascinating. I mean, some people who do entrepreneur work work very creatively but without a sense of time, like you're sharing, Patty, about uh, five o'clock, this is done, so now the next activity can happen, like going to my car. If entrepreneurs don't have a structure like that, I've noticed that their whole life turns into a mishmash and a chaotic mess. And, and one of the things that happened for me was, um, especially if you work at home and you have family or a partner, um, they may not also respect your work. They don't right. know if you don't have an office, like a, with a closed door and it's like I'm working now, if you're more fluid, which a lot of people, depending on where you live, you might have a more open space. Um, in my case, I often shared the main area where I worked with my partner so we have a combined shared space. So unless I verbally said, well, I'm working now or I told my partner, when you come home, I'm actually working, I'm going to be working in that room and don't open the door, I have to give really strict instructions. And a funny thing happened in my relationship, which 
forced me to become very clear about the structure as an entrepreneur. Like I, I ended up developing, I'll, I'll share the, the, the method I use to develop a structure for my creative work. Because some creatives resent, like they don't, they want open time and free time. And it depends on your personality, but this may resonate with some of the people. Um, but what happened to force me to create a structure was that I noticed my partner at the time was very critical of my work. So what have you been doing all day was a classic <laughs> phrase I got. Or why haven't you done this? Or why haven't you made the bed? I'm not really a good bed maker. I kind of do the bed when it's sort of inspired. <laughs> it's just not my thing. Um, yeah. And also I, I just got a lot of criticism about my work and I found this really interesting and then I realised that one, well, the main core reason was that I wasn't saying yes to the importance and the value of my work. I think in the work of structure and giving them, um, giving them a, a structure as well. Like for me right now, I have a sign that I put on my office door in, in that I, I work from, from home. And when family sees that sign with the door closed, they know not to come in. They know that I'm working. And um, one time I forgot to take it off. <laughs> and um, my husband followed the boundaries. And um, so I know it, wor it works. So, like, if you have, like, a little sign maybe in the living room, Angela's working or um, I'm working, you know, just make sure you flip it, flip it over when you're not. <laughs> but um, that seemed to work for me because then everybody knows, oh, she's, she's on a coaching call or she's on a Facebook Live or she's uh, working on, you know, something that she doesn't want to be disturbed. Yeah. So, Angela, how, how, how did you set up your uh, boundaries or schedule to succeed? Uh, one thing I did was, because I write and I wasn't valuing the writing part as much, I actually said there will be two days where I did session work and then there will be three days where I did one day work on the business, two days writing so my Fridays became my counting day or my getting everything tallied and um, from the results of the week. Monday would be marketing and writing. Wednesdays would be writing, program development. And Tuesdays and Thursdays were my session days. And then I also put on my Saturdays intermittently if I wanted to do live workshops, which was really interesting because now my partner also happens to have work on Saturdays. So odd things started to happen when I... So I put the schedule in place, Patty, but I still had issues with my partner at the time. But my current partner, I don't. And the really clear thing to me now is that because I really value my work completely differently, I see my work as very powerful, as very important and of a high standard, a high quality to me and others... So that really changed the way my partner was responding to the work. And then consequently, my partner also magically seems to have things on when I have work scheduled. So things seem to flow better as well when 
when I see the value. So the structure was really important because it got to work on me physically first when I had those days. And I also saw those little sabotage things that you might do like, well, I know Wednesday's writing day, but I'll, 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 I'll do something else. And that was fascinating because I got to see what are the beliefs that make you say no to what you really want to do. What is that perception of my work at, when I said no to writing? And the conversely, when I really stuck to it and started to write, the speed of what I was doing was very fast. So look at that for the entrepreneurs out there. If you, if you set up a, spot, a structure and you're avoiding it, you're saying no to something. What is it that you're saying no to? Why are you saying no? Right. Right. Something's because going on. It, if, if it's something that you really need to do with your work and it's important to your work, but you're, you keep putting it, putting it to the side and you're not getting it done, that causes more stress and anxiety on you. So if you, if you do it first thing and get it done on something that you don't want to do or you don't like to do, if you get that done first, that's gone. And then you can focus on things that you want to do. Say you have an assignment or a project and you have a deadline, waiting till the last minute, the last day, and then say that you need something from somebody else and you're putting pressure on them too and you're panicking. If you have a project, you should be working it, you know, a couple hours a day, every day, and having it done before the deadline. That way, if something transpires where you need something from somebody else, you're not putting anxiety on them as well and causing chaos. Working those things that you don't want to do but you have to do is real important in getting them done, and then you don't have to worry about them anymore. And you're free to work and be creative on other things that you like to do as well. So saying, you know, we all know the projects that we have to do that we don't enjoy, but it's part of it's part of the job. Getting it done, getting it finished, and then moving on to what you like to do. So, Patty, can you... Yeah, can, can you share, like in the nine to five environment, what have you noticed as also? You mentioned some things that you don't like to do, but one thing that comes to mind of situations you've shared is that say you're on a project or you've got a task and you're working in a group environment and there's people around you that are pulling you in different directions. Yeah. Um, you really, you really need to set your boundaries and say, you know what, um, use your Outlook calendar and block it out so that people know that you're not available and that you need to work on that. Say somebody comes into your cube or your office and says to you, um, I need to talk to you now. And, and you're working on this difficult project that you have to concentrate if you set boundaries um, and say, is, is this urgent, drop dead urgent, or can this wait until 3 o'clock this afternoon when I'm available? Um, or you have one-on-one -on -one 
meetings with them weekly? And is it something that can wait for that one-on-one -on -one meeting with them? If, if you communicate, you know, you can I am your team and say, I'm working on this. I'm going to be unavailable for a couple hours. And they all, I am back, instant message. Okay, then they understand from this time to this time, you're unavailable because you're working on something that's, you know, important or urgent. If, if you communicate well, people will be receptive to it. Now, you're all, you may have somebody that doesn't follow those boundaries and will push those boundaries, which we've all had. Um, you need to be firm. You need to tell them, I'm going to be from this period to this period. You're going to have to wait or you're going to need to go to somebody else and ask them. Because I'm, I'm, you know. And you can say it in a polite way. But once people realize uh, that you stick to your schedules and your boundaries, they will comply and um, actually they know what's expected expected and you communicated well and you're clear mm, interesting yeah so I'm thinking a lot also about um well when I work at home with my partner coming in and out we use texting to tell each other yes in the same way the instant message um so I just wanted to touch before we go on to our next piece which is one of my favorite topics about saying no um, is procrastination but what have you learned from office dramas like that suddenly there's a big drama um, a bomb's dropped and people are expecting you to also respond to that and you're you've actually got maybe a task to do or you've got a certain priority in your day what have you noticed that, is that a test on like, is that one of the tests you're saying like in, in the office environment? I mean, I love this television series, The Office, because they're just constantly trying to distract each other because the job's really awful, right? But I also noticed that in the work environment, people enact dramas sometimes because it's emotional. Taking a quick break for our sponsors. That. But I'm wondering, Patty, if, um, if some of that, drama is something that is about people testing boundaries like what they can get away with what have you noticed about that when like a big drama at work right so say that you know you're in the middle of of something that have that you have a deadline on and you need to get it done and there's chaos and uh drama around you you you, you can ignore it and address it when you're done. Or you can address it real fast with the person that's causing the drama. Take five minutes out, step out, have them come into your office or your cube or go outside or break room or wherever private. And address it immediately and then explain to them, I... I am doing something important and we will talk about this more later, but at least address the concern if need be. If it's, if it's 
something that can be ignored for a couple hours until you get done, then go ahead and do that. But if it can't, if it's something really bad, say two uh, coworkers are screaming at each other on the floor or something like that, you, you do need to go out there and you do need to stop that kind of activity. But you, when you set the boundaries and, um, you know, people are going to test it, but as time goes on and you're very uh, firm with your boundaries, Everybody gets used to it, and it starts to become a well-oiled machine, and other people follow it too. Yeah, that's like school. Like at, when we went to school, we had a bell, and we got used to it, and everybody started to follow it. So if you engender that attitude with your own boundaries around that. Right. I mean, they'll, people will even um, – Say that you're working, you're working really hard, and they know that you go to lunch at one. They'll pop into your cube and say, oh, it's lunchtime. Just wanted you to know I don't want you to miss out on um, eating your lunch, you know, and they care about you and they want to take care of you because they know that you're focused. You're focused on this project. You're focused on this assignment. And that's how you build better relationships with your coworkers. Because you have those boundaries and you you know when to say yes and you know when to say no. And um, now there's always going to be times where you are going to, you know, emergencies happen or whatever. And you're going to have to stop and address it. Yeah, I was, um, emergencies are emergencies. And, and the same thing happens at home. Like if I'm working on something and a drama comes up. Usually, if I'm in the middle of writing, I have to get that writing done for the day because it's a commitment I've made to my project. But a drama will happen and I need to sit five minutes, resolve it quickly, message the person and get back. Or just tell the person, like you're saying, I'm on another call, I'm working right now, I'll call you back later. Um, But one of the things I've noticed in terms of home environments and the work environment is these emotional dramas that they manifest as a way sometimes as, as procrastination. As one of the things, like procrastination, often we talk about you say no to doing something that you know you really should do or like my writing, I really want to do it. But you say no to doing it because of many things and often we think it's social media, that's one of the things. But I've noticed emotional drama either in the family or the workplace, is a very big way that we do it subconsciously. We kind of manifest these dramas and we think, I didn't sign up for this. I'm trying to get my work done. This is what I really want to get done. Why is this drama manifesting? And I've noticed that sometimes it happens, like the example I shared with my partner in the past, I would get criticism about my work because I I had an emotional story about the value of my work. So, Patty, I wanted to look at um, what are the sort of classic things, and we've, we've got two things straight away, that, that are the emotional stories people tell themselves that make them procrastinate something that they really want to do. Well, some people think, oh, I work better under pressure, so I'm going to wait till the last minute to do something. 
And when, when you do that, are you really being um, fair to others that um, fair to the person that you promised and you have a deadline to? And is the quality of work really there? If you're waiting till that day and the deadline's at 12 o'clock noon and you come in at 7 o'clock in the morning and you work four hours on this project that's really a 12-hour project and you're just slamming things together, is that product really of value? Are you giving your full value? And look at the stress that you're putting on yourself and maybe possibly your coworkers by flipping out or, you know, uh, or you're in your office or cube and, and you're just, you know, panicking. That, that is not quality. That is not good for you and um, not good for your client either by waiting until the last minute. What you should do is if you know you have a deadline, you should work on that project a couple hours a day or, you know, do that first thing in the morning and do what you need to do on that assignment or project and get it finished. Finished and with good quality of work. Yeah. One of the things I've noticed as well is to spend uh, 30 minutes of planning time around the project and to break down all the tasks. Because I think sometimes, especially with coaching and marketing and writing, with writing, you tend to go into the writing, that's part of it. But in the writing, then there's editing, then there's proofreading, then there's, uh, if I record, there's recording. So there's all these elements and you actually have to break down all the tasks and think about when each task will happen. So for as a writer, I need creativity, so I need that period for creativity and then I need a period. I work well on tech in the evening hours after midnight. So sometimes I'll just say, okay, I'm going to do that after midnight because I feel like doing it. But at least I know that's when I'm scheduling that piece of the, the, the project. And right, like recording. You have to have the right time to record because you, you can't have background noises in the back or something like that so you know when the plan for that project for certain activities, you're right, Angela. And that's the importance of, of scheduling time and, um, and knowing what you need to do and if you need something from somebody else and not putting pressure on them at the last minute. Ah, so it's seeing your resources as well that are required yeah. that you maybe didn't think about. So you've got to try and troubleshoot for that projected project, like how much what are all the tasks and in coaching that's one of the things we do we sit down and we break down tasks with clients because they I've noticed one of the emotional stories that people do with procrastination and saying oh my god I've got so much to do is that they actually haven't done this bit and sit down and break down well, what are the tasks what are required what's going to go wrong what resources do I need it, it seems common sense but a lot of people don't do it and I feel like one of the reasons is they want the end goal but they don't actually want to sit down and think about all of the nuts and bolts they might be a more creative person they might hate technology 
you know, people generate a lot of um, stories. And one of them, one of the stories I find which underpins all of that is they think that if they do that project, it's going to fail or it's not going to be enough or no one's going to like it or it's just not enough stories. Stories about whatever they're focusing on is not enough and it generates this kerfuffle and this drama. It's like, just do it, but break it all down. See what the costs are. Because all of the other stuff really is a story to avoid. If you're basically saying no. You're saying no to your project if you're a creative or entrepreneur. Um, and Patty, what are the other things? Because I know you've got a poll on your page, Coaching for Inspiration. What, what are the classic things that you address in the poll that you find people really struggle with um, saying no? They know the family. I think that's a big struggle for a lot of people. And also delegating tasks. Being, um, wanting it to be perfect. And thinking that if I delegate it, it's not going to be done correctly. Um, or I'm going to have to redo it after I delegate it. Well, if, if you give clear communication, you can you can say you can delegate or and you can say no to your family. What do you what do you really want? What will this cost you? What will uh, what will be the end result of saying yes or no? And is this something that you really want to do? A lot of us will say yes to things that we really don't want to do, and we and we have so much on our plate. We're running from one place to another place. Um, we take on a, a volunteer project, and we have no time for our family and no meantime. So in the poll, the poll is asking everybody, what is the hardest thing for you to do? Say no to family or delegate tasks? We would like to know what your thoughts are and if you're watching the facebook live you can put that in the chat and we'll give the link for patty's poll in the description as well one of the things i noticed with saying no to family the stories that come up around why they can't say no to family is really 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 big in terms of how people divide like their work life or things I have to do for work versus things I have to do for family. And often you, you teach on and you coach on work-life balance. Some of the key things I find really that interfere with people enjoying their family and perhaps even enjoying their work. Maybe some people don't like their work, but at least you can go there and feel I'm working so I can have time or money with my for my family. Um, one of the big things I notice is that people just feel like they can't really be authentic. They can't verbalise no to their family or just tell their family what the feelings are around what the family member might have asked for them to do. So <laughs> your family member might want you to... I don't know, babysit their cat for the holidays and you're thinking, mm, I'd like to, but it doesn't really work and you feel bad about saying no rather than actually telling them 
oh, I'd love to, but I don't really want to do it these holidays for whatever reason, being authentic and just telling them, I wish I could help you, but it's not going to work for me. We have this fear of somehow people will feel like they're going to have a judgment about us. So it's um, interesting in terms of families saying no to family. It really does then impact the way you can be authentic or be more courageous in your workplace to, to do what you were sharing earlier, Patty, saying like, I'm going now, I can talk to you tomorrow at 8.30, does that work for your schedule? I've noticed that people don't fess up at work because they won't say no to their family. Well, and also saying no gives an opportunity for somebody else to learn something new or somebody that really wants to do it. When you're saying yes all the time to things that you really don't want to do, other people aren't experiencing it, aren't experiencing maybe they want to do it. Maybe it's something that they want to do and they want to learn. Maybe maybe your sister or your brother wants to watch the cat. It gives them the opportunity to do it by saying no. You want to say yes to the things that you want to do. Um, and not overstress yourself. Now, there are going to be times where you do have to say yes to something that you possibly don't want to do because it's a commitment that you've already committed to or something like that. But you really want to evaluate, what do I have in my life? Am I booked every day of the week after work doing some kind of activity? When do I have time to spend with my family? What is my priority? Is my priority spending time with my family? Do I need to schedule a date night with my spouse or my partner? Or do I, do I need to schedule a family dinner night, a uh, movie night with my, my children in, in my house, you know, in my household? Uh, those kind of things, you might have to schedule it so that you can say no. I've scheduled this, so somebody asked me, oh, we need, we need you to come um, do the flowers at church on, on this day. And you can say, oh, I'm sorry, I'm already committed to something else. I think that makes people feel more at ease to say no. Right, so I'm sorry, I'm already committed to something else. Okay, that's a nice one too. Yeah. And it's not rude and it's the truth. Yeah. And you don't feel bad. I think too, some people make excuses and will actually fib and then feel really guilty. But if, but if you have where you're already committed, then you're not and you're not feeling guilty because you've made that a priority. What is a priority in your life and how are you going to keep it sacred? Oh, I love that. That would be my favorite way to describe it. What is a priority in your life and how are you going to keep it sacred? I've been using that word sacred a lot recently. So this sort of builds right into your tool that you're going to share with us today, Patty. Yes, thank this, you. Yeah, because this is the perfect time to share the tool where it's showing what do you want 
in your relationships? How do you know what's important to prioritize? So can you share that tool, Patty? Yes. So this is really simple. You just um, have three columns. And the first column says what you want in a relationship. So when we're talking about finding finding someone or the relationships that you have now, what do you want in this relationship? And you list, make the list. What are you willing to compromise in the relationship? That's what you are not willing to compromise in a relationship. This kind of helps you guide you on what boundaries and what you want in a relationship. And it works really well because it helps you understand your values of what you want in your personal relationship, your work relationship, partner, all of those things. What you're willing, what what you truly want in the relationship, what you can put up with, and what you will not put up with. Yeah, and when I was considering the exercise that you were sharing, Patty, one of the things I realized is that in my life, what was important to me when I was 25 is very different to when I'm 47 now. So. For example, in my relationship, I'm not so worried about the domesticities now. When I was 25, I'd be much more terrified about underpants on the floor or something like that. <laughs> but so to be aware that this exercise of what Patty's sharing, the three columns, it's really important to check in at quite regular intervals because what could be a priority for you six months ago might be different now or your work situation might change or the situation might have been uh, a new drama might uh, throw itself into your life and you need to really, those dramas are really great opportunities to do this and, and see what's actually of value to you now and then to go back to scheduling it and prioritising it and communicating that with others in your life about how it's a priority right you know um say that you're a very tidy person and your partner is not a very tidy person and um what are you willing to compromise are you willing to compromise with the clothes being in a basket um unfolded are you willing to have dishes in the sink can you overlook that, that your your partner doesn't put the dishes in in the dishwasher, they throw them in the sink and it, and it drives you crazy? Is that something that you're going to continue to fight about or are you going to just say, this is the way he, he or she is? Is this going to make or break a relationship? Right. Is it worth fighting about? Just thinking about those kind of things. And that will take pressure off of you and your relationship if there are certain things that you can just accept and ignore and just do it. 
And then there's things that maybe you can ignore. Mm -hmm. What are your values? And do they fit? Does that fit in your values? Yeah, because I've noticed it's similar to the emotional dramas that explode. Sometimes we might, in a relationship, a couple relationship, and a family as well, we might focus on this one issue like the dishes, but actually that's a superficial problem and we're complaining and whining and arguing or being awful to each other because we're avoiding the real thing underneath. And I've noticed also as well, people say these phrases to their loved ones like, oh, but you're always like this. And that's the other person's hearing that going, no, I'm not. But they're hearing you say this thing about them because you're obviously upset about the, the clothes not being folded or the dishes or whatever. But it's a lie. It's not actually true because there's something underneath that you're not addressing. So what you're saying yes to in that situation is I'm not going to talk about what I'm really upset about and you're saying no to what might be the real issue. So this three-column thing, if you get certain things about the domestics in the home or um, things about time for your self-care, it's really good to go through and go, well, what's really the, the biggest issue here for me that I'm not willing to compromise? So if it's with your partner really see is it about the dishes or the underpants on the floor (laughs) or is it about that you haven't actually gone out together for six months and had time alone or is it about the taxes that haven't been done for 10 years or yeah right um little things add up to big things Mm. and i found me personally and I wish that I did this last week, is that you sometimes need to pause and walk away from situations. And um, especially if you have a temper, (laughs) you need to walk away and cool down and and pause. And a lot of us don't do that. And maybe if you pulled out the column list and kind of listed it and thinking, okay, is this going to really matter in seven days from now? Is this really going to matter in a year from now or five years from now? Am I? And is it really important? And if it is really important, it's going to be in that last column. And, and what can you just read the title of the last column again, Patty? Yes. What are you not willing to compromise in a relationship? And that all comes down to values. Or, you know, you're not willing to put up with somebody that belittles you in front of your friends and family. You're not willing to put up with somebody that won't back you up to their, to, to your friends or family. You're not willing to put, put up with somebody cheating on you or, or, you know, those very, very hard things about forgiveness and um, those things cause non-forgiveness and strife in your relationship so if you have it laid out this is something that I'm not willing to compromise about and you and your, your partner or your or your family talk about it 
that line of communication is there and you build that trust and you build that relationship. Date night is important once a week or twice a month or once a month. We're gonna do this no matter what. You know, things things like that. We're gonna have a family night. We're gonna meet once a month and get together as a family. That's great. So if you've got any questions about the tool, also you can contact Patty um, on her coaching page, Coaching for Inspiration. And on, on the in the description, Patty's got the link there. You can tell us what is your <laughs> difficult, what most difficult for you is. Is it saying no to family or is it delegating tasks to others? And um, so, Patty, do you want to share a little bit about the who – you work with and the work that you do with them with Coaching for Inspiration? I am a leadership and work-life balance coach, and I work with people that are career that lack a personal life. They set their career before everything else, and they have no boundaries on their career, but they want an awesome career as well, but they also want a personal life. So I work with people and help them to get the life that they truly want and still have that awesome career. That's great. Yeah, thanks, Patty. And I really appreciate the column tool that you shared today as well because I think it's really timely. I think people um, could do that almost all of the time and it really starts to help you look at what are your big rocks and, and how you prioritise. And also today I'm sharing the Authentic Love webinar so you can stay in touch with me, of course, on this Facebook page and check out the link I've got in the description for the Authentic Love webinar, which is Beyond Loneliness to Heart Connection. So a lot of people are experiencing loneliness even in a relationship or just not being able to feel like you can get that connection that you're looking for and the webinar looks at that what are some of the causes for that and maybe some of the bigger picture reasons why that's happening in our culture and also then some tools in the webinar it's actually a training on how to get connected to yourself so you can start really going out there and finding naturally those relationships and get over some of those emotional stories you might be telling yourself about why you're lonely. Um, so thank you so much today, Patty, for sharing your wisdom and your tools and anything else that you'd like to share with those listening and watching? I do have a blog on my website, www.coachingforinspirationwithpatty.com. And I talk about a lot of different leadership strategies, as well as work-life balance and harmony. We all want harmony in our lives, and I give, I write about different things about leadership, how to, how to be a better leader. So I hope you check it out, and thank you, Angela, so much for us talking about relationships. That's my pleasure, as usual. I love relationships. And that's, uh, that's the website, Love and Relationship Coach. I might call it Obsessed Love and Relationship Coach. And uh, next 
month. We'll be doing building better relationships with Patty and myself every month. So for October, we might get dressed up. Patty, I'll challenge you to a Halloween special or just orange or black. I don't know, whatever. Oh, cats. Okay. We'll do a cat, a cat special. We'll do a cat. So um, tune in next month for our Building Better Relationships with Patty and Angela. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Building Better Relationships with Angela and Patty. Send us a message and please like or share the podcast or donate with the Anchor Donate button. We really value your feedback.